Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that your gospel would go out to us and through us, and that in so doing, you would be honored and glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Soli Deo Gloria. It is one of those five solas that are a part of our Reformation heritage that we're moving toward next week. And we want to think about that a little bit today as we focus on this text that comes in this great series that we've been on about abiding in Christ, about experiencing the power of the nurture of God's love and grace in our lives in a transformative way in us and through us, and recognizing that God is indeed at work in us and in our world. Today's focus is on verse 8, this verse that says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So we're going to focus on sort of three questions today. The first question is, how can a sinner who just keeps messing up bring glory to God? The second is, why should God be glorified when my life bears fruit? And the third is, how is it that showing ourselves to be disciples of Jesus is to the Father's glory? Those are the three touch points that we're going to use as we look at these verses. But before we do that, let's remember who we are as Lutheran Christians. Next week is Reformation Sunday. And next week, we're going to focus on the the big uh, focus of the three solas, the word alone. Uh, But this week, we're going to look at where this whole sola thing comes from. This this idea that, that God works in a very distinctive way. And so we learn from Martin Luther as he launched the Reformation on this foundation of five solas, the Latin word again for alone. One of these is sola scriptura, and again, we're going to deal with that next week. The other four solas are related to a Protestant understanding of salvation. And simply stated, the Protestant view is this. Salvation is by faith alone, through Christ alone, by grace alone, for the glory of God alone. And you kind of see on the uh, right side of that, the the Latin element of that that was uh, what Luther used. And so I'll use it for the next couple of weeks, even though I don't speak Latin. Soli de la Gloria is our focus today, and if you, if you listen carefully to, to where that fits in this sola, it, it is about salvation that comes through Christ, and that that salvation that comes through Christ 
brings glory to the Father. That's the way the Father is glorified. Luther wrote this, To know Christ and to believe in him is no achievement of man, but the gift of God. To know Christ is not our achievement. It is the gift of God in us. It's God's work in us through the gospel. Now, over the course of these weeks, that should sound a bit familiar. We, we continue to talk about what it means to bear much fruit because we're being nurtured from Christ. That is, what happens in the branch comes from the vine through the branch so that it bears fruit. No credit to us, all credit to God, all glory to God for the work that is in us. This may be hard to read, but it says, From him and through him and to him all are, are all things, to him be glory forever, from Romans 11.36. There's this emphasis that says God gets all the glory. And I want you to know that you are not unusual if you sometimes think that might be a little overdone. I have, at least once in my life, done something good. And sometimes I think I should get the glory for it. In fact, it's kind of easy to think that way. This idea that God alone receives the glory is something that I think we want to be honest about our struggle. I think we want to recognize that we take joy, that we take pride in the, in the good things we do. Even, even if we define those good things really specifically like serving others in the name of Jesus. The, you know, we, we, we get this sense that, that that's, that's something we should feel good about so where do we go with that well let's start by recognizing that all-important verse for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God right if we're if we're talking about sharing God's glory then we want to recognize that the fact that we're sinners illustrates the fact that what we've fallen short of is the glory, our imperfection, our sin, our brokenness. And so the question, how then can I, as a broken, sinful person, bring glory to a holy and perfect God? Well, again, in Chapter 15 of John, verse 5, it says, No branch can bear fruit by itself, so we can't do it on our own. The answer to this question, how can I bring glory to God, is I, in and of myself, cannot. But it's interesting. That same verse continues with these words. 
just to make sure there's no confusion, just to deal with that little want in me that says, I've done some good stuff, and, and people have told me that I've done good stuff, even more than I thought I did good stuff. People have actually given me praise and, and gratitude and, and affirmation. You might even say, they've glorified me. No, 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 don't take that too far. But again, just in case we start to slide down that road, let's hear again these words at the end of John 15, verse 5. It says this, apart from me, you can do nothing. Just to be completely clear, branches can do nothing if not nurtured from the vine. This really isn't a debate about whether or not you can do anything. It's a recognition that what you do is done in and through you by the power of God who created you in his image, who continues to work by his Holy Spirit in and through your life. And so it is not you alone who does it, but God at work in and through us that gets it done. But what I want you to notice is that I was just talking about John 15 verse 5. This text for today is in verse 8. So in spite of the fact that I can do nothing apart from the vine. Still, nonetheless, it's to my Father's glory that I bear much fruit. It is God is glorified when our lives bear fruit and show ourselves to be disciples of Jesus. So even though we can't do it in our, our, our own, by our own power, we indeed do by the fruit of our lives, bring glory to God precisely because God is at work in us and through us. If we did do it on our own, it would be to our glory and not God's, but because we can't, that's exactly why God receives the glory. So, why should God be glorified when my life bears fruit. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Sometimes I think I need to make sure I ask for the right things. Right, And I've told you before that uh, uh, one of the, the blessings of the younger pastors I've had the privilege of working with is that many of them have had ended their prayers, I love you, Lord Jesus. And, and my, my history is I end my prayers with in Jesus' name because I know that I want my ask to be in alignment with the will of God. So now I've been helped out a bit, and so now I pray, I love you, Lord Jesus, and I pray in your name. 
Because again, I feel like I've got to ask for the right stuff. But what if, what if instead of putting the emphasis on I can ask for whatever I want, and instead we put the emphasis on it will be done for you. What, what if we recognize in the ask that we're asking it of a loving, almighty, powerful God who is at work in us and through us so that it's not about me again. It's rather about God at work in our world. So then, I want to make sure that you don't think that God is a glory hound. Asking for glory where he doesn't deserve it. Trying to get all the glory when some of it is glory we deserve. Now, this was intended to be humorous, but you didn't laugh. Reminds me of the early days in ministry when I had to tell people that was a joke. But I think, I think there is a little voice inside us. I, I really do believe that that in our hearts, we think that this is up for debate. We really do think we deserve a little bit of the glory. So how is it that we can understand who God is such that we don't think that God is asking for something he doesn't deserve? Let's listen to this from Isaiah 42, verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other. My glory I give to no other. God does not give his glory to any other so-called God, nor does he give it to anyone or anything who would try to claim it. This is what we call idolatry or theological adultery. This idea of sharing the glory that God deserves with ourselves or with others. But that's not the end of the story. Because we see this in Romans, it says this, we share in his suffering in order that we also might share in his glory. I'm sorry, Bible. Are you confusing your Old and New Testaments again? Uh, is the Old Testament wrong? Is God, in fact, willing to share his glory with us? Should we be looking for it? How, how, does, how does this make sense? 
it makes sense because we are a branch abiding in the vine. It makes sense because God is with us and we are with him. You see, the glory of God isn't given away, but as God brings us into his family, his glory shines on all of us. His glory is reflected through us. We are invited to be a part of his glory. He's not giving it away. He's allowing us to abide in it, to experience it in all of its strength. The question is, did you notice how Paul said in Romans this would happen? It goes back to our vine and branches thing to that little pruning bit. It says, when we share in his sufferings, we share in his glory. But there is one more question. How is it that showing ourselves to be disciples of Jesus is to the Father's glory. My, my first inclination when I thought about this for today's sermon is that I needed to kind of give you a little bit of a lecture on not confusing uh, Trinitarian truth with the distinctives of the three persons of the Trinity, You don't really care, do you? You see, that's what I thought. When I thought I should preach that, I thought that's going to be really boring. They don't, they don't want to hear that. But the honest truth is, is we are sometimes confused by those distinctions of the three persons of the Trinity. But what I want us to not be confused about is the heart of God. What I, what I want us to know and understand is what really does bring glory to God? What is it about who God is that God cares most about? And I want to suggest to you that if we look at the covenants, the old covenant in Genesis, the new covenant in the New Testament, one of the things we discover is that God chose Abram and not only did he promise him land and many, many children, he also promised him that through him all the families of the earth would be blessed. Today, with this war in the Middle East, there's a great struggle to kind of try to decide whose side we should be on or, or how, to, how to balance the, the evil that happens on both sides. And when Joe and I were talking about this in terms of how to pray about it, we were, we were saying, let's, let's pray that God will restrain evil because all of us are capable of it. 
Palestinians, Hamas, Hezbollah, Jews, we're, we're all capable of evil, especially in response to fear and hurt and pain and betrayal. And so what is our hope in light of that sin? And maybe more importantly, what is the will of God for his church? Just like in the old covenant, the will of God is that all the families would be blessed through us. The fruit that we bear would be a blessing to the world, and as the world is blessed, God is glorified. So how does that new covenant shift? That is, how does it shift from the old covenant to the new covenant? Again, before we get to John 15, we learn in John 14, it says this, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Our asking has to do with Jesus. And it's because what God has done in Jesus is that which is his greatest glory. Is that which most clearly shows forth the heart of God. We hear it also in John 3:17 where it says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. A number of us here at St. Timothy's have gotten a little nervous about Pastor Joe. And I keep repeating it just in case he doesn't. But I would say that at this point, he has said it more often than I. And what he said is, he only has one sermon. Now, we've experienced something a little different than that. At least, even though it's only one sermon, it's not the same every time. But it's the same point. It's the same gospel truth. God loves the world. God's desire is to bring us forgiveness and to make us right with him. It's an expression of his love for you. And it is an expression of his love through you so that all the families of the world would be blessed through you. Let's not be mistaken into thinking that um, if we're just a little more patient that we're bearing the fruit of the gospel. Let, let, let's not make the mistake of thinking this vine and branches text is about the branch and what the branch does. It's not. It's about the Father, it's about the gardener who planted the vine, who created the vine in order that he might bear the fruit of the gospel to the world.
I was talking to a pastor colleague of mine just the other day. And this pastor said to me, you know, Jim, I, I, I love the scripture. I, I, I love Jesus. I, I, I love in my sermons to expound the truth of scripture. But what I'm not very good at is evangelism. Now, this conversation wasn't just a neutral conversation. It was a conversation that I, in the leadership role I have with LCMC, was evaluating this pastor. And my first thought was, well, that's not good. And my second thought was, wow, do I relate to that. And my third thought was, boy, that's pretty typical of us Lutherans, isn't it? And somehow it's because we think that sharing the gospel, that is, the act of evangelism, is asking non-Christians to pray the sinner's prayer rather than living as well as speaking the good news that is ours in Jesus Christ. Rather than allowing our lives to be a lifestyle of grace where the love of God has so embraced us that we are forgiven and loved and made new, where our lives abiding in the vine allow this nurture to come through so that our salvation is radiated in both what we say and what we do. And I want to suggest to you that the more you recognize that God has chosen you and gifted you so that he can shine through you, the more you will recognize how the gospel shines through you to offer hope to the world. And if you're wondering about that, if you're thinking, maybe I need to learn a few more evangelism techniques, maybe I need to memorize more scripture, maybe I need to carry some flyer or card in my pocket to remind me how to share the gospel with others, I want to suggest this to you. Abiding in the vine. Being embraced by the love and forgiveness of God that allows you to release the brokenness, that allows you to have the angel touch your tongue, will allow God's glory to come through you as he makes you his own, as you abide with him, as you experience the goodness of the gospel. For God so loved the world. That's where his glory shines. It starts with you. It shines through you. And my prayer is that we will experience the joy of God's invitation to share in his glory by abiding in him. Thanks be to God. Amen.